Welcome to Yes Catholic, the place where real people share their real stories and realize it is all God's grace on the move. I'm your host, David Patterson, and every week we hear a new guest share their story of how they came to give their yes to Jesus and his church. So let's get started. How are you doing, friend? Good. How are you? Very good. So excited for tonight, to be honest. Oh, me too. I've been waiting for it like all week. Just excited. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit <laughs> has definitely already been moving through people reading your story all week. And yeah, I know that's yeah. going to bless many, many people. So for those who don't know you, maybe they haven't read your story yet. Why don't you share a little bit about yourself before we dive in? Yeah, just a quick little bit about me. I'm uh, sure. name's Jessica. I'm a mother of four young kids under the age of seven. Um, I'm a pharmacist, but I'm also a homeschooling mom, just your regular typical mama who's just trying to get through the day. But back in December of 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer while I was pregnant. I was 14 weeks pregnant and, um, it was a long journey of, you know, just fighting through, um, it's a pro-life journey. It's a journey about faith. And, um, yeah, we're going to talk about that tonight. That's really my big thing. I'm just on this whole ministry now about sharing God's good word about it all. Yeah. And it's just been amazing just to see the community that's really been built around prayer, the power of prayer and just gathering people together, you know, because obviously we all got stuff going on, but uh, when we can gather in community, it's very powerful. So, well, let's learn a little bit more about you with the rapid fire. Uh, where, Where would you say is like your favorite place to visit? Oh, most definitely Blessed Father Solanus Casey's tomb in Detroit, Michigan. And you'll hear about that in my story. But his uh, tomb is amazing. His body's right there for anybody to visit. There's St. Bonaventure Church right attached to it. Beautiful gift shop, museums. It's just a really great place to visit. That's awesome. How would you describe yourself as a child in three words? Oh, (laughs) hyper. Hyper. Number one, hyper, uh, very creative. I love the arts, writing, poetry, uh, drawing, music, singing. Um, and then the third one would probably be introspective. I did a lot of like, you know, really deep poetry and things like that when I was younger. So, Oh, wow. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go to short prayer, especially during your journey. So I have two, like I have a super, super short one, the Jesus prayer. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, forgive me a sinner. Anytime I mess up throughout the day, I say that quickly. But the main go-to short prayer is the Memorare. Because Mm. when the Blessed Virgin Mary flies in, you know you're taken care of. Yes. Well said. Dropping fire already. We haven't even asked the story yet. (laughs) (laughs) Who Who inspires you? My grandparents do. So my grandparents, they actually lost, um, you know, all throughout their life, they lost things. They lost all of their savings in Lebanon when the lira dropped, like a lot of money. They lost a child at three years old in in an accident uh, with boiling water falling on him. And then they lost two sons later. But throughout their life, they continue to pray. I watch them pray the rosary, go to church. They're so faithful. And that's who inspires me. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could have coffee with any saints, who would it be? This will surprise some people because most people are probably going to think I'm going to say Father Solanus, and it's not. It's actually <laughs> it's actually St. Paul, the Apostle Paul. I mean, um, I love a great convert story. He is an amazing writer and speaker. And also, I kind of want to know what the thorn in his side was, don't you? <laughs> like, yeah. I really just want to ask him that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, all right, buddy, like, spill, yeah, spill the tea. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> Give us the dirt now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, any thought on, like, what you'd ask him? 
outright like before okay i feel like you'd ask the thorn decide like later you know what i mean but mm -hmm. thoughts on like first kind of question sorry for you on the spot but oh no it's not on the spot i mean i really just want to ask him how did you turn it all around like was it overnight and it seems like it was over it just basically when god when jesus threw him off that horse but how did he do it and how did he have to fight through it and did his old side creep through at times mm. was that the thorn in his side like that's really why i'm interested in it i want to yeah. know because you know i've had this great conversion um that we'll talk about through cancer and i just i'm kind of really interested in that and how he kept it going how he kept it alive yeah absolutely okay mm -hmm. if you could ask god one question what would it be Absolutely, without a doubt. Lord, what do you ask of me? What do you want me to continue doing to get me to heaven? That's all that matters. There's nothing yeah. else that matters. Just get me to heaven. Amen. Mm -hmm. Well, you just flew through the rapid fire. Well <laughs> done. Uh, uh, let's just kick things off with an opening prayer. And uh, mm -hmm. let's just dedicate tonight to uh, asking for Our Lady to intercede for us. Yes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, okay. the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Paul the Apostle, pray for us. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, <laughs> the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, friend, let's Amen. dive right in. Where does your story begin? Well, um, just to give a little background, um, you know, I'm a cradle Catholic. I was born Lebanese Maronite, actually. So a lot of people are surprised by that. They tell me they, I don't look Lebanese, but I am. Two Lebanese immigrant parents. Um, so I was raised in the church. I was in youth choir. My great-grandfather was a priest because in the Eastern Rite, they could marry. Yeah. So, you know, I was in the church um, and I loved writing poetry about God. I always contemplated God. I wrote a poem about focusing on the eternal. I'm trying to find it and I, I still can't find it. But I mean, just giving that info to see like how, where I was at that point in my life. And then the world had set in around, I mean, a little bit into the high school years, but not much. Um, it was mostly the college years. The world had set in. I had kind of put my faith on the back burner, never completely left the faith. I still went to church, you know, on the important days. Uh, Christmas, Easter, and, you know, Sundays here and there. I would miss Sundays and all these things. And, um, you know, it, it really was a time that I, I call it my pagan years. And, um, you know, the one good thing about pharmacy school, though, in college was I met my husband. Mm. So I met my amazing husband there. And we got married in 2011. And cancer was, believe it or not, was not the first um, brush with death that we had together or a bad health scare. So my okay. husband in 2014, before we had children, he actually had a fluke life-threatening um, autoimmune reaction. His body was killing his blood cells from within. Um, and we both, we own a pharmacy together at the time. Um, and at the pharmacy, he just, the staff called me, they said, your husband's yellow. And I went to the pharmacy and sure enough, he was leaning up against the wall, yellow. Um, oh so we called an ambulance right away. He ended up getting airlifted. They told us they were throwing the book at him. I had to call a priest. We gave him his last rites. They said there wasn't much he could, they could do because they were trying every treatment and nothing was working. So this was the time I believe God called me and my husband too, just back into the faith. Like, you know, you really got to pull yourself back to me. This is how God calls us back to him. And 
I leaned on God so much during that time. We did novenas. We did prayers. We, I gathered people to pray at three o'clock every single day, uh, masses and all these things. And my husband miraculously recovered. And wow. that was the first real brush with leaning on God, leaning on Christ. Like either, the doctors are telling you there's nothing they can do, but God can do something. So that proved to me right there how important my faith was. And from that moment on, my husband and I, we resolved to like, we're not going to squander this. We're going to pray our rosaries daily. We're going to be on top of our faith. Um, and we ended up having our first child because, you know, we had put off having children because we were waiting for the right financial time. All this, right when this happened, we we're like, no, 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 no. We've been doing it wrong the whole time. And you went all we in. Our, we went all in. Wow. Then businesses start to, you know, we accumulate more business. Uh, we have more children and the world starts to set in again. Now this time, not like the previous time. We still prayed our rosary daily. We still went to church every Sunday, but we started to pray it distractedly. I wasn't calling upon God all day, every day, like I was during his hospital stay. Mm. And then, of course, what happens is the pandemic in 2020. Now, everybody here who's on here can probably relate that when the pandemic hit, everything was stripped away from us. There was no more going to dinners out. There was no more, you know... Um, seeing your friends or going to concerts or whatnot. So when the world gets stripped away, the only thing that's left is your family and your home and God. And so once again, he pulls me back in, but this was divine providence. I truly believe the timing that he chose um, really helped prepare me for what was to come, which was cancer because, you know, the pandemic hit early uh, uh, 2020. And so I began diving into books, uh, Christian books, Catholic books, books on theology. I was learning so much about the four last things, which is really odd now that I think about it, which would be judgment, death, heaven, and hell. Like I was really stuck on your eternal life and your eternal soul. I was listening to podcasts and all these things. And I think it makes sense because I mean, during that time, we didn't know what was going on. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't know what was going to happen. Right. So I'm diving into that. I'm like, this is what really matters. Our soul. And we had children at the time. So we want to get them to heaven. And we were praying our rosaries together. And then one night in September of 2020. um, And I should mention, actually, during that time, too, I had a friend before I get into my part. I had Mm. a friend who actually was agnostic. She was born Catholic. Um, but she really just barely believed in a God or whatnot. And this whole time during the pandemic, I was evangelizing her because I was afraid for her. And, um, she ends up converting or reverting back into the faith. And she got diagnosed with breast cancer in September of 2020. And then I, in September of 2020, this is my best friend. So, you know, I'm focusing on her, we're praying for her. Same month. It was actually within nine days. Um, actually, sorry. So she got diagnosed in uh, December. I apologize. But in September is when I found my dent in my breast. So um, I find the dent in my breast in September. And, um, you know, I get it checked out. And lo and behold, like I'm in Canada at the time. Dave, you're in Canada. And, you know, That's during right. the pandemic, it was a little rough healthcare wise. Oh, yeah. We were total lockdown. <laughs> total lockdown, hard to get appointments. And I did get my breast checked, but they misdiagnosed me. They misdiagnosed it. They said that it was benign. And so um, I got really excited and my husband got excited. We said, hey, we're going to go for that fourth child. And lo and behold, a couple weeks later, we were pregnant. 
we saw a yes on the pregnancy test. Yeah. Um, I was pregnant with my fourth child. And that's when, um, you know, we're going along the motions and my, my friend is worried about her breast and she actually got misdiagnosed too at the time, um, both at the same time. And then she gets diagnosed in December, which was pretty crazy. And when I was pregnant, I, that's the baby that saved my life because the baby is what made me rethink everything. And so when I went to the OB, um, and also to my best friend, her going through this and I'm like, you know what, I, I need to get this rechecked. I told the doctor, I'm like, I got to get my breast rechecked. Cause he just, he asked me what's going on new with you. And I said, well, there's this dent thing. So he does send me to get rechecked. And this time in December, the technician was quite concerned. And this time they had me biopsy and it actually came back positive for invasive lobular breast cancer. Oh my goodness. And this was nine days after my friend got her positive. And so I'm in shock. I'm in my room and I cried out to God and I couldn't believe, you know, that I'm not only cancer positive, my best friend's cancer positive, but I'm also pregnant, 14 weeks pregnant. And so I cried out to God in my room and I, my husband and I cried, but you know what? Quickly, I picked myself up because of everything I read during the pandemic, everything I dived into. I remembered that God never forced, never forsaken me all my life, especially remembering back to my husband when he was sick and the doctor said there was nothing they can do. Yeah. And so I get up and I go to the bathroom, the same mirror that I saw the dent in my breast in. And I leaned in and I said, God, Lord, if we're going to do this, let's do this. I actually said those words. And what I meant by that, to God was, I felt this calling, like, you know, dear Jessica, I've prepared you this whole time. Um, now is the time you're going to do something with this. Um, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And, you know, I've always been staunchly pro-life, staunchly pro-life to the fact where, you know, back in high school, I would argue with people to the point of social suicide. Because, you know, sometimes people can argue with you and friends could could drop you for that very yeah. subject. Yeah. And I remembered back to that time, like, I wonder if I was, in, as in the book of Esther, perhaps I was born for such a time as this. Perhaps God is, is maybe he's not giving me cancer. Sometimes God, you know, doesn't give us these things, but he allows these things. His permissive will allowing it saying, you know what, we're going to do something with this then. Trust in me. My grace is sufficient for you. And so what did I do? I opened up an Instagram account just four days after being diagnosed. I didn't know what I was going to do with this account. I called it blessed by cancer. Same from day I was going to ask, I was going to ask, what was the same handle? Same handle. Something, same handle. the Holy spirit. I don't know where that name came from, wow. but I thought, you know what? I was blessed by the pandemic because it really had me refocus my entire life. Cause you know what? Had I would have died at the point of my pagan years, I could have been condemned. I'm just going to put it plainly. I could have been condemned. Um, so I was blessed by the pandemic and you know what? I'm blessed by cancer too. I'm going to be blessed by cancer. I know this. And I, I, I'll tell you one thing, David. It's not that I was expecting to live through it. I was expecting God's, whatever God was going to do. That's what I was mm. expecting. I was expecting his result. His result is always good. So I was expecting that it would be good for my eternal salvation because that's what I had just all learned about how to get to heaven. So whether right. I lived or died, I thought this cancer is going to get me to heaven one way or another. Wow. This is my answer. I love, I love your expectant faith through that. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes we just have to expect what he's going to do. We don't have to expect anything else. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's where I went with it. So, okay. So I make this Instagram and I made it public. 
And um, mainly too, I thought it was just going to be for my cousins and my friends and like they could follow along my journey. We could pray together as a group. So I'm not answering a hundred text messages at once, but um, the story ended up kind of spreading a bit. Um, So now here's a, here I am. And I got to go to my first uh, oncology appointment. So Canada was backed up at the time. My husband's actually a dual citizen, more of God's divine providence. So he's a citizen in the United States. And yeah. so he was able to get me an appointment virtually with a the doctor there pretty quickly. So I, I did a virtual appointment and he says to me, the doctor, good, you know, good news. It looks like it's only one centimeter. You're probably an, an lobular cancer, which is the type I had is very slow growing. Um, and usually it doesn't really respond to chemo. So we just usually do surgery and you're done. And you're going to be a 70 year old woman chasing around your grandkids. That's exactly what he said to me. Okay. So you'll see the trajectory of the story, how, you know, okay, it's bad. Okay, now it's good. And now we're happy again. And yeah. so I say, all right, great. So now I don't have to worry about anybody saying I need to abort my child or whatnot. I think, you know, we're just going to do surgery. Here we go. Mm-hmm. So I go to a surgeon in Canada. And the surgeon says to me, first thing, when I get in there, um, she's like, okay, Jessica, we're going we're gonna to put you into surgery as soon as possible. And I'm thinking, whoa, in the pandemic, this is great. Uh, I said, it's because you want to get me in there and save my life. You want to get this cancer out of me. And she says, that's not really the reason. She's like, this is going to sound horrible. But I know it sounds a little bad, but, you know, if we do surgery and you're 24 weeks pregnant or beyond, I think she said 22 or 24 weeks. Can't remember the exact amount. Mm -hmm. By law, I am required If you go into spontaneous labor during surgery, I'm required to revive your baby. And don't you think it's better to have a dead baby than a baby with complications in the NICU while you're fighting cancer? Absolutely. Uh, My husband and I were so dumbfounded that she would even say that. And we were just floored at the fact that, you know, she would think I'd want my baby dead just to convenience myself with, you know, not having to deal with a child in the NICU while I'm, while I'm fighting cancer. Um, so I told her absolutely under no circumstances would I want my baby dead. And, you know, we, we, we walked out of there. We didn't have her be our surgeon at all. Yeah. And so yeah, I'm on the hunt for a new surgeon. Now the oncologist told me I only need a lumpectomy and I'm one and done because it's so small. Right. Well, here comes God again with his beautiful divine providence. And the fact that I trusted him with this, yes, that God, I'm going to open up this Instagram. You do what you want to do. Work through me. Let me be your pencil. Write with me. So here's how he wrote with me. He sends me a woman on my Instagram. I do not know. I didn't know this woman at all uh, from Michigan. She had the same breast cancer I had, lobular. She also was pregnant. She messaged me and she said, hi, my name is Tiffany. I know you're going through what I'm going through. I have my best friend is the nanny of one of the top breast surgeons in Detroit, Michigan. And I think you should talk to her. Now you say, wow. And here's what I was thinking. I only need a lumpectomy. Why am I going to go to Michigan? Top doctor. I'm probably gonna have to wait a month. It's going to be expensive. And by the way, my husband had a setup with insurance because during the pandemic, he didn't know what was going to happen in Canada. So he had right. already set us up with insurance and all the, again, God set me up. So I had the insurance, I had everything going, but I'm like, there's no point. 
she ends up sending her my, my, my phone number. The doctor calls me at home. Like this doctor was literally being forced upon me by God. So I answered the hello, phone. I said, hello, 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 hello. God's like, can you just take this doctor already? <laughs> so I answer the phone. I talk to her and she says to me, listen, Jessica, I know that there's a couple doctors telling you lumpectomy is sufficient, but from what I've seen in my expertise, lobular cancer can look very small, but actually could be very big in real life. Like when I open you up, she's like, I'm suggesting mastectomy. I'm suggesting a full mastectomy, not only because um, it, I think it could be bigger, but number one, we can't scan you because you're pregnant. It's detrimental to the baby. And number two, if I do a lumpectomy, open you up, and then we got to go in again, the baby's undergoing anesthesia two times too. So we don't want to do that. And I, this was music to my ears. This is a surgeon who's respecting the life in my womb. Yeah. So I said, this is the doctor God wants me to be with. And so I said, well, doctor, you're backed up for a couple months. Like, I, you know, how am I going to get in? She's like, you know what? I'm making space for you to come in next week. Okay. What? She just penciled me in there. I'm telling you, Dave, this was all through the Instagram. Had I not said yes to God, I wouldn't have gotten this doctor. Now you just, you the- just keep talking and in my head, I'm just like, <laughs> praise you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> praise Jesus. Well, here's another praise Jesus. Do you recall that the borders were closed during the pandemic? Yes. Nobody could cross through. Yes. So, um, well, I take a stack of papers. I get all the doctors in, in Windsor that I know. I'm a pharmacist. So I was able to, you know, ask some people I know, please write me a letter. I need to get to the States. And yeah. so I had all these letters prepared and I get to the border and, you know, they had to call another person over another person, close the window, open the window. They were not going to let me through. And finally, this one border agent, I think he had just some compassion. And he said, you know what? It's a medical purpose. You see, seems to be legitimate. We're just going to let you through. And here I go. So I get to the doctor's office. She walks in. You know, instead of saying hi, we go through everything. You know what she says to me? She says, how would you like to have surgery this Friday? Now, on the phone, she had told me surgery was booking out about a month to two months, which we weren't concerned about because my cancer did seem so small and slow growing. Right. So I wasn't prepared for her to tell me we're going to have surgery that Friday. So I go to my husband. I'm like, well, are we rushing into this? Like, it's a slow growing cancer. It's small. I should probably get more opinions. Um, You know, a mastectomy over lumpectomy. Should I be doing this and pregnant? And I got one more opinion very quickly. I said, please just let me get one more. I went to another big center. They told me again, lumpectomy. So, you know, I'm getting all these lumpectomies and I'm I'm thinking about, I prayed on it, Dave. I prayed and and something told me Friday, God's passion. This is when Christ was crucified. God's calling you to do something. Just say yes to the Friday. Say yes. Mm -hmm. And this doctor was sent to you for a reason. So I called up the doctor and said, pencil me in. We're doing it Friday. And she says, okay, well, we have to have one more doctor check you before we go in. It's going to be the OB, the high risk OB. And this doctor is to monitor your baby. This is all to get measurements on your baby prior to surgery. And we'll keep checking on him. So I said, okay, great. So guess what? I'm super relaxed because this doctor is for my baby. He's not going to say anything terrible like that other doctor did. So I walked in not leading with the, my baby's important like I did with all my other appointments. Right. So I'm sitting there relaxing, no problem. The doctor walks in and he walks right past me, sits in front of me. And then he says, 
Now, before I say anything, you know you can terminate this child. And here I go, my stomach drops. Why is he telling me to terminate my child? Is there something I don't know? Is there something like, what? why is he saying this? Now, little did he know, because I'm a pharmacist, I knew a lot of things. I knew that if I needed chemotherapy, there are many chemotherapies that are safe during pregnancy. So anybody on here listening, if you know anyone who's pregnant with cancer, there are many, many uh, chemotherapies and uh, therapies that are safe during, during uh, pregnancy with cancer. Also, I knew surgery was okay. So I'm trying to rack up, why is he saying this? So I said that to him. I said, first of all, termination would never be one of my choices. But I'm just wondering, doctor, why are you suggesting it? Would it change my prognosis? He said, he starts stumbling, says, well, no, it's not going to really change your prognosis. And then I said, well, as my understanding is I could do all treatment. So why are you suggesting this? And he says to me, because some women get mad at me if I don't give them the choice. So this doctor was so concerned with the fact that a woman could be mad at him as opposed to saving the life within my womb, which he was actually commissioned for. He is the doctor for the baby. And so the reason I tell this part of the story is termination isn't just going to be offered if doctors think, you know, oh, the woman's life is at stake or this and that. The termination could just be offered on a whim like this because the doctor right. thinks you deserve to have the choice. When in, in fact, there was no need for him to even mention that. First of all, there's never a need for termination when the woman is ill. You can always treat the woman and... Um, it's called double effect. What happens to the fetus happens to the baby. Yes. Um, but, you know, in this case, you know, we're still thinking I'm stage one and only need surgery. And here I am hearing termination or um, disrespect for the baby like I did with that first um, doctor. So, you know, go always go into your medical appointments prepared have everything prepared because had I been a woman who didn't know I could do treatment while pregnant, who did not do my research, mm -hmm. um, who was vulnerable, who was scared, who didn't have the Lord, who didn't have God, right, to lean on. If I was an atheist and didn't believe in a higher power and in Jesus and the Blessed Virgin, um, I might have succumbed to what he had said. I might have said, make the appointment. I'm glad you suggested that. You know, I might have said that. So anyways, he was fired as my OB that day. I said, you're not going to be my doctor. I see the baby on the, on the um, ultrasound that day, and he was moving. He was hiccuping. He was living. He was living. Yeah. He was yeah. a living, breathing person. And so from that day forth, I said, you know what? We're never, I don't care what it is that, that they find in surgery. I'm never going to entertain a doctor who tells me to terminate again. And so I get on my Instagram and I tell everyone, let's pray hard because surgery is tomorrow and I don't want it to be bad. Not only for myself, I just don't want anyone to say I need to terminate this child. And so here I am ready to get, get into surgery. The doctor walks in, she opens the curtain and she says, are you ready to cure cancer today? And I said, yes, I am. Because we're thinking surgery and that's it. Right. Now we talked about it and we, I, you know, I was telling her, please don't remove any lymph nodes. Like I just want to be, I want it to be an easy surgery. I don't want to do anything extra, no reconstruction, no anything, because I, it's, I don't want the baby to be affected by the anesthesia in and out. Let's get this done. So she says, yeah. okay, sure. I won't touch your lymph nodes unless I see something concerning. I said, okay. Now I'm waking up from surgery. 
actually before I do surgery, they lay me out. It's like a cross, right? They lay you out like this on the stretcher. And I will say this before I talk about what happened after I, I united everything with Christ's cross. And this is how I got through because people will ask me, how did you get through pregnancy with cancer? It was so scary. People, the first thing people say is it was so scary, wasn't it? But every time I thought of Christ, I thought he went through way more than I did. And it pales in comparison to what he did. So when they laid me on that stretcher, I thought of Christ being thrown on the cross. And I said to the, the nurses in the anesthesia room, I said, um, you know, I offer this surgery up for the reparation to the sacred heart and the immaculate heart for the atonement of my sins. And what I was thinking about was those pagan years, those worldly years, the years I ignored him. And I offered this to Christ. And I was so happy, David, that day because I had something to repair. I know I was forgiven because I did my confession, but I had something to give back to him. Mm-hmm. And that was just, I was happy. I was happy going yeah. in. And now I'm groggy waking up and I'm thinking I'm done. I gave my everything to Christ. And what do I hear? I hear the nurses talking about how they took out all my lymph nodes. And now I know it's not good. Now, as I'm listening to this at the exact same time, my husband is being whisked away into a private room by the, by the surgeon. She sits him down and she says, not only was your wife's breast filled and riddled with visible cancer, but your wife's entire underarm was filled and riddled with visible cancer. She's very likely stage four. I believe she's terminal and you need to prepare yourself. And then she walked out of the room because she had more surgeries to do. And my husband was left there alone to digest that. And, um, you know, they wheeled me home. I, he didn't tell me that that day. He actually told me this later on that she said that to him. Um, but I knew because I, I, you know, I'm a medical professional. I knew exactly what the, what the lymph nodes, all the lymph nodes being taken out meant. Because, you know, if it was only a one centimeter tumor, there would be no need for that. Right. And so a couple days later, the pathology comes back and it was not a one centimeter tumor. In fact, it was a 13 centimeter tumor. And it was 43 out of 43 lymph nodes positive. And if you look up 43 lymph nodes with cancer on Google, you're not going to ever find it. Because I was trying to do that. I was trying to Google stories to help me see if I could, you know, get positive out of it. You won't see it unless you see my name attached to it. Um, So that was it. And actually, one of the lymph nodes had 1.7 centimeters worth of cancer. Most of the lymph nodes were macrometastases, meaning the metastases were big, not small. And it also states in the pathology report that the, um, the cancer appeared to have exited the node, meaning it's now outside the node. Where's it going? It's going to go into my system and start depositing into the bones, the liver, the lungs, you name it. Now here's the kicker. I'm pregnant. They can't scan me to find out if it's in my bones, liver, lungs, right? Because it's detrimental to the baby. And so now we're at a crossroads. Now we need to do some very heavy treatment. My surgeon said, you can't sit on this. You need to decide ASAP. Number one, you know, I know you said baby's number one. She told me this. I know the baby's number one for you, but you're not going to be able to scan. And I'm telling you right now, if you're stage four, meaning if it's in other organs, we need to do targeted therapy, but we have to scan you to find out. Um, And, you know, she didn't want to say the word termination, but they were alluding to the fact that if I don't terminate, 
we're never going to know where it is and we can't do targeted therapy. And I still had six months to go in my pregnancy. So I would have had to wait six months and she's thinking I'm terminal. And by the way, they thought it was a slow growing cancer. They found out it was actually grade three and it was a super fast growing cancer. So we had no time. We had very, very little time. <sighs> so she said, um, what we can do is do chemotherapy. Now here's the thing. If we do chemotherapy and you're terminal and you're stage four, it's only going to kind of help you. It might extend your life a bit, but it's not going to wipe the cancer out of your liver and bones. That requires like immunotherapies and other targeted therapies. Um, so she's like, you could do that and you're definitely going to need radiation, but we have to wait for the baby to be born. She's like, you got to make decisions. Come back to me and tell me what you want to do. Now I was ready to fall on the sword for my baby. I literally was ready to say nothing, no surgeries. No, I mean, sorry, no chemo, no nothing. But I thought about St. Gianna and St. Gianna. Mm, I was because, just thinking about her. Yeah. So right as you said that. The Sisterhood of the Traveling Relics, I don't know if you know them, uh, Jen, she's on Instagram. She sends out relic cards to women who are undergoing like these high-risk pregnancies or infertility. She reached out to me about St. Gianna. And she actually had St. Gianna's daughter praying for me. Wow. And I, yeah, and I thought about St. Gianna. I thought, wait a minute. So St. Gianna had three choices. She could have terminated her baby and saved her life 100%. She could have done a treatment that might save her life, might not, but it would at least spare the baby. Mm -hmm. Or she could do absolutely nothing and, and spare the baby. St. Gianna chose the middle road. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to choose the middle road. I know chemo is safe during pregnancy. I know I can do this. St. Gianna did it. Let's do it. I know it's not going to guarantee saving my life, mm -hmm. but at the very least, it's going to actually give someone else hope. And I could tell women later, because I'm such a pro-life person, that you can do chemo while pregnant. I did it and my baby's fine. That's what I'm thinking. I know my baby's going to turn out fine because I know the studies. So I called the doctor and said, okay, we're going to do chemo on one circumstance, one stipulation. You find me an oncologist that will work with a woman who's pregnant with cancer. And you tell her, there's under no circumstance am I going to terminate. I don't care what happens during treatment. We're not terminating. Okay. So she finds me that that oncologist and we're ready to start chemo. We're ready to start. And then my brother, who's a devout Catholic, and he's the one who actually got pulled me back into my faith during the pandemic really mm -hmm. made me a traditional Catholic. Yeah. So one night he was very, very distraught. And this is how father Solanus Casey comes in. Okay. He was so distraught about my, my cancer and he starts praying to God and he prays please God, you know, cure Jessica and, at the end of the prayer, he says, thank you in advance, Bobby. That's his name, signed Bobby. And then he stopped himself. He had goosebumps. He got all these goosebumps. And he said, why did I just say thank you in advance? So he's like, okay, you know what? I need to sleep. I'm going to turn on uh, an app on my phone that just plays TV shows. And he didn't choose the program. It's a random app. It's a live yeah. app. Yeah. He turns it on. What is it? It's an episode of The Unsolved Mysteries. Okay on the exact segment where blessed father Solanus Casey healed a woman of breast cancer through his intercession, breast cancer. Okay. What? And it was right on that segment. It didn't even, it wasn't even the beginning of unsolved mysteries. It started on that segment and right at the end of the segment. So he's watching, he's like, Oh my goodness, this is her saint. And right at the end, it says the saint is buried in Detroit, which is where I'm at. Detroit. Oh, man. 
And so side, not- side note, side note, you're saying your brother felt like the goosebumps thing, like presence. Of, I that has not left me through your like entire story of like Ooh. listening. It's like it's the Lord the is just Spirit. so oh, the Holy Spirit is so present. <laughs> it's amazing. So what do, you think he, what do you think he does next? He Googles him, right? Just to find out where he is. He's going to tell me all about him, which by the way, I already knew about Father Sons Casey because when my husband was sick, we actually prayed to Father Sons Casey's intercession for him. So I always thought of him as his saint. I wasn't going to go to him, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so my brother Googles him. What does he see? Blessed Father Sons Casey, famous for saying, thank you, God. Thank God ahead of time. And yeah. what had my brother just done in prayer and had goosebumps? He thanked God in advance. Wow. And he said, this, this saint yes. is looking for her. And then he realizes he needs Dang. one more miracle, one more to be canonized. Because remember, Blessed Father Solomon's Casey is beatified. He's not yes. canonized, yeah. not yet a saint. So he calls me up. He says, Jessica, you got to go to the saint. I said, I know the saint. I know, well, we, this, this beatified person, he's not a saint yet, but I believe he's a saint. I said, I know him. So I Googled his tomb was only seven minutes from my chemo center. So what? back to doing chemo. Yes. And that's why I say that part of the story because I'm about to start chemo, right? So we made it our point to visit him after every chemo. And we said, this is our saint. This is who we're asking for an intercession. So after every single chemo, we would do chemo and drive right to Blessed Father Sons Casey. We would pray at his tomb fervently. We would write notes. We would write letters and throw it in there in the basket. Um, the friars and the, uh, the Capuchin priests there, they would bless me with the true relic of the cross there. We did everything we could at that center. That's why it's my favorite place to visit. Wow. And so um, we had four rounds of chemotherapy. And how did I get through it all? People ask me that all the time. For instance, when I had to shave my head, losing my hair was so painful. Um, it actually hurts. I'm not even talking emotionally painful. It hurts. People don't know that. And I was envisioned the, the crown of thorns on Christ's mm-hmm. head. Or whenever they would do a needle poke or they, they actually they did a surgery that uh, they put a port in here, which, by the way, I did the surgery under no anesthetic. They thought I was crazy. I did it under local. Usually they put you under anesthesia. I didn't want to for the baby. Christ got me through that entire thing. It was so you could feel them threading it through my heart. I could feel them threading it through my heart. And as I was doing that surgery, I just imagined Christ's sacred heart and his heart being pierced. And so whenever they would poke me, I would think of the nails going through his hands and feet. So this is what I want people to do when you are ill or sick or you have a pain, immediately unite it with Christ and you're going to feel better because you can offer it to him. Not only that, there's there's this um, comfort in knowing our Lord knows what we're going through. He's a God that is so sympathetic to us. He's a God that is so caring that he came down and suffered the worst suffering because he knew we're going to suffer in this life. And he did it along with us. Yes. And so um, that's how I got through all of it. Every single thing. The minute I felt despair or wanted to cry, I did the surrender novena. Wow. I thought about Christ on the cross. This is what got me through. Was it perfect? Because people are like, oh, so then you were just happy the whole time? Absolutely not. But I will tell you, I was much happier and much more hopeful than I definitely would have been without Jesus, without God. In fact, the nurses would always comment. They'd say, why are you so happy? Mm -hmm. One time I actually was singing. So the nurse was showing me to my room and I was behind her humming. She stopped and she looked back at me and I'm like, what's wrong? I thought I did something wrong. Like maybe I should be quiet. (laughs) Like maybe, you know, because there's people that are undergoing chemo and, you know, 
And yeah. she looks at me, she's like, I'm just shocked. I'm like, why? She's like, nobody. She's like, you know, it's really refreshing. Nobody sings here. Nobody's awesome. happy here. And yeah. I looked at her and I said, it's because of him. And because I would wear um, a t-shirt of either like Jesus. I think it was Jesus that I wore that day. Cause I said him. So it was about Jesus. I yeah. would wear like always saint shirts and I was always evangelizing. It would oh. have to be blessed father Solanus Casey on my shirt. Be something. So I said, do you remember, do you remember what song you were, you were humming? Do you remember? Or it's okay. If you know. I don't know. I think I was just like, <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> like, you know, like, I don't even know. I could have been humming. Like probably at the time I was listening to a lot of like Gregorian chanting yeah. and TLM. Yeah. Like uh, I love the Gregorian chant. So I could have mm. been chanting that. Yeah. Um, and she probably just turned around and said, what are you doing? Like, but they were, they were happy. And they always told me I was so refreshing to be around that you're the happiest cancer patient. That's what they would call me. And in fact, the one time my surgeon caught me crying and it wasn't because I was scared of like dying of cancer. I was scared. I think of surgery. Cause I've never had surgery in my life. I didn't know yeah. what it was like. I'm like, what if I wake up and I feel everything, you know, yeah. she's like, it's good to know you're human. That's what she said to me. I said, yeah. it's not that I'm superhuman. It's that he's superhuman. He gives me the strength. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got through everything. So we're four rounds of chemo in. Baby's doing great. He's measuring Very well. Strong. I end up getting the virus. Don't even want to say it because you know how Instagram is, but you know, I got the virus during it. So I went, I, I went through a lot. I got yeah. through that. I sailed through it when normally you're on chemo, you're pregnant, you're immunocompromised. You were to think I would have been in big trouble. And I sailed mm. through that. God just got me through everything. So finally, and by the way, that was God's divine providence because I was slated for a fifth dose of chemo um, because there's a certain chemo that hasn't been studied as much. So she wanted to give me a fifth dose of the one I was already on to bridge me till I had the baby. Now this chemo was hard on the heart. Mm -hmm. And I think God allowed me to get ill with the virus to skip that chemo because to this day, I'm just so happy. Even my cardiologist said, I'm so glad you didn't get the fifth because you could have really damaged your heart and for wow. nothing because we're wow. going to get to the end of the story. You'll see why for nothing. But yeah. so anyways, I get through all that. My baby comes all of a sudden he comes one week early only. That's it. No, like Nick, you stay nothing crazy. He just, he made his arrival one week early on May 30th of 2021. And we called him Thomas Solanus after wow. Solanus Casey and yep. Thomas Aquinas, because I was yep. doing a lot of deep dive into theology and father Chad Ripperger. That's right. So he's born and he's beautiful, healthy, baby super boy. cute, super cute, super cute. I <laughs> offered my entire labor to him. I labored the most painful long labor I ever have without any I got, I ended up getting the epidural, but way at the end and it was only yeah. for 15 minutes. I kind of wish I didn't even get it. He came 15 minutes after, but I tried to give as much as my labor to God. I I'm, I'm purging myself. This is my purgatory on earth. Purging. Seriously. Seriously. And then as soon as he's born, guess another miracle happens. So there was a nurse who was kind of upset that I brought, I only wanted, um, because I nursed all my babies, I have nothing against formula, but it was something in my mind that I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to let cancer take this from me because I wasn't mm. going to be able to nurse my son because they were going to jump me right back into chemo. Um, so I said, I'm going to bring some breast milk from a donor that I knew. I brought it to the hospital and apparently that wasn't the rule or I wasn't supposed or I, I don't know. The nurse was getting a little bit upset and saying that, you know, maybe I need to give him something else. And I was not having it. I said, this is the milk I have for my son. I know the donor. I would like to give it to him. 
there was a nurse behind her, the one that helped give birth to my baby. And that was going to be my nurse for the next few days. And she was behind her, like telling me, like, you stand your ground, like with signals. Yeah. When that nurse left, I'm thinking, why is she standing up for me? Maybe she feels bad for me because, you know, I was bald at the time. I had cancer. She comes up to me. She's like, listen, I'm not leaving until you're discharged because guess what? I had cancer while I was pregnant 10 years ago. Wow. And I went through chemo. I was pregnant. My son is. And I said, how's your son? She said, my son is healthy and wow. I've never cancer's never come back. And David, cancer while pregnant is one in 3,000 chance. So what are the chances that I'm going to get a one in 3,000 chance of a nurse being my nurse of all the hospitals and all yeah. the nurses in the world? And God sent me her, not only because that nurse was, the other nurse gave me a problem, but, you know, I really did worry about my son. I leaned on the yeah. blessed mother for that, but she brought me so much comfort telling me that her 10-year-old is fine. Because that was on my mind all throughout the labor. Is he going to come out okay? Is everything going to be okay? Hearing that her son was unaffected by the chemo, mm -hmm. God put me at peace immediately. And he didn't oh, have yeah. to give me that gift. Yeah. He could have had me wait the 10 years to check, but he gave me that gift that day. Mm -hmm. And then now it's time to pay the piper, right? It's We're ready to scan because the baby's out. Let's go. So you know what I did? They gave me two weeks. They say two weeks to recover. You're in the scanner. I said, all right, we're baptizing Thomas. That's it. I want to baptize him without any knowledge of what's going on. And, and I also do believe that we should be baptizing our kids as soon as possible. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen. And right. that's more, the sacrament is more important than the party, the food and all of that stuff. And I learned all these things. Well, so we go to do his baptism and it's on the, it's close to the feast of the sacred. Actually, it was on the feast of the immaculate heart. So we had just finished the novena for the Feast of the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart. We, we did it on my Instagram. Mm. All of us together, for me, this was the final novena because we were doing novenas all along. And that day, the priest blessed me. I still have a video of it. He had me recite a prayer. We did anointing of the sick. I'm ready. Here we go. So on that Tuesday, I believe it was the Monday or the Tuesday, right after his baptism, I'm going to the scanner and I'm ready. And I asked the technician, I said to her, may I have my final prayer? So what do you mean? I said, I want to pray right here at the scanner. She said, okay. And, you know, it took a little guts because you never know how someone's going to react to that in the medical field. Like, can I kneel down and pray here? But I said it. I knelt down right in front of the machine and I said, okay, Lord, this is the final prayer. You have never forsaken me. It's been up and down, Lord. I asked for no cancer. You gave me cancer. But then I asked for it to be small and it was small. But then I asked for the surgery to say it's good. And then it wasn't good. But Lord, you are good. This is what mm. I was telling him the whole time. I said, everything you've done has led for my soul to be healed. And that's all I ever wanted. I want to go to heaven. So whatever you do from here on out, Lord, your will be done. Not mine. Amen. And I signed Talk the cross. Talk about and I, surrender. It was the biggest surrender of my life. It was the biggest surrender because you know what? I didn't want to tell God what to do. And I also never want to set myself up to ever be upset with God. I never want to have an expectation, not because, um, not because I don't want to be upset myself. I don't want to be upset with God. Do you know what I mean? I don't ever want to ruin my relationship with him. So the best way to keep your relationship with Christ you do what you want to do, God. That's the best way to do it. There's no expectations. You take care of everything. And so I get in the scanner. I'm praying during the scan. 
The scan is complete. I walk out. As I'm walking out, the technician pulls a crucifix from her scrubs. And she says, she says to me, I saw your prayer. I too am Catholic and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. And your prayer moved me. And they, that right there, first of all, God didn't have to give me that either. But you know what God gave me right there? That was the reassurance. Keep talking. I'm just trying to hold it together. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, David. <laughs> Honestly, that's how I felt because I felt like another gift from him. He didn't have to give me that. And why is it a gift? Not because she was going to pray for me, although that was the most, that was such a beautiful thing to hear. But this was affirmation because God saw the little nerves that I had asking to pray at that machine because I was a little bit nervous. Like, do I pray in front of these people and all these medical professionals watching me? This was my reassurance that when we exhibit our faith, when we say, I'm not going to be politically correct. I'm going to pray right here at this machine. And I don't care what anyone thinks about my Catholic faith. It moves mountains. It moves hearts. It moves minds. This woman was moved so much to pray for me. And now maybe she's praying for her other patients at the scanner. Who knows? And so that's why I tell this Amen. part of the story because I want everybody here, if you have a medical test to do, if you have some, don't be ashamed. You pray at that test. You kneel down and you pray. You pray as hard as you can. Yeah. Okay. So now I'm home waiting on the scan results. <sighs> okay. So I'm at home all by myself. And my phone, this was one day later, 24 hours later. My phone has the um, notification, test results are in. Oh my goodness, David, I, my, my heart sank, not because I didn't believe in what God was gonna, not because I didn't have faith or anything. It's just like, here we go again, because I've been taken on this roller coaster. Yeah. So I was thinking, Lord, am I going up or am, are you taking me back on a steep dive? Whatever you want, it's okay. But I had this you know, feeling. Now my husband wasn't home, my mom wasn't home. So I said, I'm not gonna open this till they come in the house. And then all of a sudden, the phone rings. Here we go. It was the hospital. It was the hospital. And I, I thought, oh, no. Because as a medical professional, I know if it's bad, they call you. And especially that quickly because they don't want you to open it and, you know, have to go through that trauma by yourself. Yeah. So I'm, I'm prepared. I take a deep breath and I say, Jessica, you're going to answer this call. Because guess what? I could have ignored the call and waited till my husband was here so that I could have at least had a shoulder to cry on. But I said, Jessica... God wants you to answer this call. He puts you alone for a reason. This is your final test of faith. Will you answer the call? Literally. And I did. Mm -hmm. Hello? Yes, this is so-and-so from so-and-so hospital. Is Jessica available? This is she. Okay, well, good news. You're cancer-free. But I'm calling because you need to do an ultrasound because your um, uterus is a little bit more enlarged from probably from having your baby. We want to do a second ultrasound. I fell to the ground. I could not believe she said the words, you're cancer free. Yeah. You're cancer free. She said, good news. You're cancer free. And then I thought, I said to her, I'm like, oh, well, why are you calling me for this? You know, <laughs> I'm like, you know, you could have sent me an email and you know, what's funny, David, let me tell you, I know this was a test from God because guess what? That ultrasound she wanted to do, literally two hours later, they called me back and said, oh, forget it. We don't need to do it. The doctor's like, it's fine. I said, wow. what was the point of that? Now, right after I got that call, yeah. my husband comes home. 
And I'm telling you, this was at the exact same time, my husband and then my mom, literally from two sides like this. And I'm looking at them. They're looking at me. They see me just in shock. And they're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? They think I'm upset. Right. And I'm like, I'm, I'm cancer free. And they're like, what? I'm like, the scan came back. It's, it's clear. My husband starts jumping for joy. My mom grabs me jumping up and down. And then all of a sudden everyone's rejoicing. And I said, stop, stop on our knees, put the rosary on the TV. We're saying thanks to God. There you go. On our knees, we went. Everyone was quite, you could hear a pin drop, right? When I said that, we prayed our hearts out. I've never seen my mom on her knees in prayer like that before. I've never seen, we've never been so focused to prayer. I'm telling you, we prayed so hard this whole time. This was the best prayer we did was the prayer and Thanksgiving. There's nothing better than a prayer and Thanksgiving to God. And so that was it. And then, then the more results rolled in. So we had to wait for the bone scan on the feast of the most chaste heart of St. Joseph. That was clear. And then my oncologist, she wasn't convinced. So my oncologist, who's not a Christian, actually, and the mm-hmm. whole time I was evangelizing her about how Christ is healing me. Um, she's like, no, 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 no. You know, you're, you, this is, the, you know, it, it, it could go to your brain. We didn't scan your brain. Let's scan your brain. So we do a brain MRI. Clear. Okay, well, sometimes it's in the spine and we can't see it. Let's do a spine MRI. Clear. Breast MRI. Clear. She told me, she said, Jessica, you are extremely lucky. Exactly like that. You are extremely lucky. And I said to her, no, I'm extremely blessed. (laughs) Amen. And she looks at me like, you know, I don't know what this girl's talking about. I said, no, it's God. I'm never afraid to say it. I tell her, I'm like, I'm telling you I got a miracle. And then... My, uh, my surgeon, when she saw me like several months later, when we did the follow-up, I, when she walked in the room, she said, Jessica, I didn't want to tell you back then because she was so great about giving me hope. She never acted nervous in front of me, just my husband that one time. She said, I'm telling you, Jess, I wasn't expecting you to be sitting here this day today, meaning she thought I'd be dead by now. Wow. So where am I at today? Well, first of all, where's Thomas at? Thomas has just turned one and a half. Yeah. He is the most beautiful little boy. He um, has exceeded his milestones. There are There is no evidence that chemo or any other procedure has hindered his development. He is either at his score or above where he should be. And one of his yeah. first words is actually Jesus. I'm not kidding you. Wow. It's Jesus. And it's, you know, wow. we catechize him now because we're so grateful. He knows Jesus. Yeah. Um, and then where am I at now? Uh, they've, it's been one year later. They've scanned me again because my oncologist still isn't a believer. And uh, it, the scans came back clear once again. Because she thought, well, maybe it's going to grow an ear. Nope, we're still clear. And my Instagram has now evolved from... Yeah praying for me to now praying for everybody else's intentions and just wow. um, people following my journey along, um, you know, whatever my musings are, where my thoughts are about how to suffer with, you know, purpose and all that, I will post what I'm going through. Cause you know, it's yeah. still not done as a cancer patient. I have, I have um, surgery coming up for the other side this December. I also have another scan. She wants to scan above my neck. I'm, I'm, you know, there were some nodes that were a little enlarged, but they appeared normal. So, you know, yeah. we're talking about doing that and, you know, there's always something. Uh, so there's always something to pray for, but we're praying now for everybody else. So anybody on here, if you're not on my page and you, you have an intention, you feel free to, to send it to me and we'll pray for you. Absolutely. And that's where I'm at. I, and, and, and we have submitted the case for Father Solana's Casey, by the way. 
I was as, as you're like mid story. I'm like, somebody send this live to the Vaticano. Like, what are we? <laughs> Like, I sent it to I sent it to Father Ed Foley. He is the head of his canonization. Um, okay. The only problem with cancer is the Vatican needs to see several years because some people can go into spontaneous remission. So the Vatican's okay. very responsible, and yes. they have to make sure it's several years down the line. So if there isn't another miracle in the next like ten years, I could be the one that makes him a saint. Who knows? We'll see. Wow. But I'm hoping somebody else makes him a saint because I want him a saint like now. Come like, Lord like Jesus. yesterday. Come Lord Jesus. <laughs> that yeah, is incredible. So- Sister, I'm honestly, honestly speechless. Like, <laughs> thanks be to God. All I can think about is just like praising. I mean, just even seeing the comments nonstop. Everyone's just like praising the Lord and it's yeah. He deserves all the praise. It's all, all praise him. And all the people will ask me, they'll say things to me. They'll, they'll commend me. They'll do this. I'm like, guys, like the only thing, and this is not even like me being humble or anything. I'm telling you, it was hard. There were nights I cried at 3 a.m. There were nights I was afraid. The only thing you can credit me for is saying yes to his will. And any of us can do that. Any of us can say, I surrender it to you. I say yes. Does it mean that the whole time I was happy-go-lucky singing down the hallways? I was happier than most, but there were times of of the dark night of the soul. I went through that, but I did say yes to him. So you guys, anybody can say yes to him. Just say yes and give it to yeah. him. Yeah. There's nothing more liberating than giving your troubles to Christ, to God. There's nothing mm. more liberating than that. Mm. I just want to share that as you were sharing your story, um, my grandma's also Lebanese and she had an image um, in her living room of the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary right beside each other. And as you were sharing your story, I just kind of had this image of me being a little boy, like looking at it and not really understanding. And honestly, just as you shared, like it, it really just came alive for me. So thank you so much for that. Oh, your grandmother sounds like a really faithful woman. She <laughs> she prayed the rosary for me for years, and thanks be to God, came home um, August fifteenth. The Assumption of Our Lady. Wow, was my coming home to the church. So, oh my goodness, power of yeah, prayer. The prayer. I'm telling the you, power of prayer. Yeah, especially really a mother, is. grandmothers. It's, it's amazing. It's- Absolutely. Well, you you really did tackle every question that came in throughout the week through sharing your story. I think the the last question I'm going to ask you is for everyone tuning in tonight. You know, you, th- throughout your story, you you reach these points of surrender. You know, and I think that so many people are afraid to really um, enter into that, to truly mm-hmm. trust in the Lord in all things. And so, what advice would you want to give someone tuning in right now who's afraid to actually? be all in to truly surrender their lives to God. Well, one of the biggest things that got me through anytime I was afraid or didn't know how to surrender, the best thing you could do is the surrender novena. And you don't have to do it over nine days. In fact, um, on YouTube, there's a beautiful, it says the entire nine days. I recommend you just sit down, you listen to the entire nine days. And those words, they really penetrate you because they actually are words of Christ. I believe the surrender novena came from a vision um, that Christ gave. I forget the name of the saint who it was to, but um, the words come from Jesus and it just tells you how you need to surrender everything to him. And I'm telling you, by the time you get from the beginning to the end, you're so calm that it's okay. You feel okay. And of course it's going to go up and down. It's like a, like a medicine, right? You feel good. And then you need, you need to redose later on. The other suggestions I have is taking advantage of the sacraments. 
Nothing brought me more peace than the sacrament of confession. If you have not gone to confession in the long, longest of times, go to confession. Why? Because you feel such a weight lifted from your, your, your soul that nothing can, nothing can get you down. You feel like you are ready. You're ready for heaven in that moment because your, your soul is so clean that nothing can, can upset you. Nothing in this life can disturb you if your eternal life is taken care of. So the, the sacrament of confession, I was in there so frequently and I did a big general confession yeah. before I got into treatment. So I suggest confession, surrender novena, and also um, the Eucharist as much as possible, leaning on the Blessed Virgin Mary, doing a consecration to her or uh, St. Joseph, because when you learn about the parents of Christ, Yes. You get closer to Christ and that will mm. help you surrender more to him. And then finally, the saints. I have by my bed, there's like books this tall of the saints, story of a soul, St. <laughs> Alphonsus Liguri, St. Yeah. Ter Teresa of Alba. If you read about the saints and how they suffered yeah. and they surrendered to God, well, we know the end of the story with them, right? So for yourself, you don't know the end of the story, but you could see the end of the story of the saints and it all ended with eternal glory and sainthood. Yeah. So it helps you to get through and surrender and say, you know what? There's a treasure in heaven. That's one of my favorite Bible quotes, treasure Bible verses, treasures in heaven yeah. that we build yeah. up treasures in heaven. Amen. Well Amen. said. <laughs> well, I just want to thank you so much uh, for your guests to Jesus and his church. Your story is obviously just so inspiring and it, it's all God's grace. You know, it's moving. All and the beautiful thing is that your journey isn't over. It, it is continuing and God's grace is just, obviously all over it i mean so many people are commenting being like i feel the i know i presence. can't even like, keep up with the comments <laughs> yeah it's just been it's just been absolutely amazing if people want to connect jessica how would they go about doing that so right now it's just my instagram blessed underscore by underscore cancer yeah. um and on my instagram there's an email button or dm so you can either dm me you can email me prayer intentions questions um, I also do a lot of speaking events. So if you like, just follow my page and actually turn on the notifications because yep. sometimes because of the pro-life stuff, sometimes my stuff gets buried in there. Um, sure. turn on notifications and you'll find where I'm speaking at next and that kind of thing. You can connect with me there if you're local to Michigan. Um, and you know, that, that's it for now. There's plans of, you know, maybe me writing a book. I've thought about that. And, but other than that, just the Instagram. That's awesome. Yeah. And mm -hmm. a lot of people are asking, they're like, please save the live. Please make sure that, uh, cause they want to share with other people. Um, so the live will be shared on IGTV. Um, so you can access any of the stories actually since 2020. Um, every single story has been shared there. Um, and your story will also be uploaded on Spotify and pot and Apple podcasts within the week. So excited oh, for that. Awesome. So on that note, uh, would you be willing to close us in prayer tonight? Of course. Yeah. So, um, like I said, blessed father Sloan is Casey. He needs yeah. to be canonized. So I'm going to close with his canonization prayer. Amazing. Um, and I'm going to ask for the intention of it for everybody who's here, their intention. So if you could think of your intention right now or type it in, that's what we're praying for in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. Amen. Oh God, I adore you. I give myself to you. May I be the person you want me to be and may your will be done in my life today. I thank you for the gifts you gave Father Solanus. If it is your will, bless us with the canonization of Father Solanus so that others may imitate and carry on his love for all the poor and suffering of our world. As he joyfully accepted your divine plans, 
I ask you, according to your will, to hear my prayer for all of the intentions brought today here with the audience of Yes Catholic. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the ministry, please share with others, post about it on social media, or please leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest stories, you can follow us on Instagram at yes.catholic and visit our website, yescatholic.com. If you have benefited from Yes Catholic, please consider joining our Patreon community. Visit patreon.com slash yescatholic. I would like to thank our current patrons for your ongoing prayers, support, and contributions that have helped Yes Catholic reach thousands of souls all over the world each week. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you. You have a story. Don't be afraid to share the good news of how Jesus Christ has moved in your life with a family member, friend, or colleague. Give Jesus your yes every single day and watch the ripple effect of the gospel. Join us next week. The journey continues right here at Yes Catholic.